Hello, I'm Nitin Seem, American Thoracic Society web editor. To kick off 2015, I'm excited to introduce a new ATS podcast series discussing hot topics in pulmonary and critical care medicine. These podcasts will be short, 20-minute discussions with ATS experts discussing the most important issues in pulmonary, critical care, and sleep medicine. The topics have been chosen specifically by Assembly Web Directors to be of interest to you, our listeners. We're starting the podcast series with a view from the top. I'm chatting with ATS President Tom Ferkel to get some of his insights regarding ATS and an early look at the upcoming international conference in May in Denver. Dr. Ferkel is the Alexis Hartman Professor of Pediatrics, as well as a Professor of Cell Biology and Physiology and Director of the Multidisciplinary Division of Pediatric, Allergy, Immunology, and Pulmonary Medicine at the Washington University School of Medicine. So, Dr. Ferkel, I'd like to start the podcast discussing something you previously discussed, the fact that a focus of your presidency is supporting the need to identify and train the next generation of pulmonary scientists and clinical investigators. Please tell us about some specific ATS initiatives directed at this goal that I think we all agree is a very important one. Thank you, Nitin. This is a big deal. We have certainly seen in pediatrics, and you know, maybe we are the canary in the coal mine in this uh, because we are a smaller field, but we have seen in pediatrics over the past two decades an, an erosion or actually a vanishing of physician scientists, and pulmonary medicine is no different. There have been fewer and fewer individuals going into discovery research and even fewer that received any sort of extramural funding, including NIH funding. This is a threat. This is a threat to our society. This is a threat to our fields. This is a threat to our patients. And we really need to tackle this. It is not enough to just sort of wring our hands and complain about it. This is something that we actually have to do something about. Uh, you know, the National Institutes of Health had a advisory council to the director, uh, recently convened of, or reported a physician scientist workforce working group to analyze the current U.S. clinician scientist workforce, and there are a number of efforts in, in Washington to try to, inc- to impact the number of physicians scientists that are being produced and and maintained, but the American Thoracic Society also has a role, and whether it's trying to provide our young investigators with an edge to help them write better grants or to do better science or to have more effective collaborations, and also through funding through the American Thoracic Society Foundation. I'm very happy to report that we have increased the number of unrestricted awards this year that are primarily targeting our early career physician scientists and clinical investigators. This is a program that we not only want to do this year, but we plan to do over over the next several years. Well, thanks for that, Tom. Now, since I have the honor of having you here, I'd like to get your perspective and, and broader view. You've served ATS now for many years, first through the Pediatrics Assembly and then in leadership for the last several years, now uh, serving as a president since May. With that perspective, I, I was hoping you could provide some insight to our listeners regarding both the, regarding the past and the future of ATS. How have you seen the organization change with the times, and how do you hope to see it change further, say, over the next five years? 
one of the interesting aspects of the American Thoracic Society, Nitin, is our diversity. In fact, I think it's, it's our strength. We have a lot of members. We now have over 15,000 members. And when you ask the members what they do for a living, what is their job, it is not nearly as consistent as you may think it would be. I know we're recognized, rightly so, as being a scientific organization, but over half of our members identify themselves as being clinicians, as being part of their job. A quarter of our members identify themselves as being educators. And I think it's this recognition that there are more than scientists, more than clinician investigators that are involved in the society that is going to help us determine the, the future direction of the society. You know, we really need to make sure that if you are a member of the American Thoracic Society, that we provide you with all the tools and resources to succeed. And whether the, you are a basic scientist or whether you are a clinician educator. And that's why I'm, I'm really pleased with the uh, development of a new medical educator section within the Behavioral Sciences Assembly. I think that we are now providing a home for those individuals. We have also reached out to training directors, both in adult and pediatric programs, to partner with them much more than we have perhaps in the past because these are, you know, the training directors as well as the fellows that they produce are vital to our society. They are the next generation. They are, the, as uh, Patricia Finn likes to say, they are our replacements. And so I think that really focusing on not just merely science, but all aspects of academic medicine, certainly within pulmonary critical care and sleep medicine fields, is really going to be key to, to, to the society now and in, and in the future. Thanks for that, Tom. I, I do see that, as you mentioned, the, the medical education working group, they had recently done a, a webcast, and I think there has certainly been a trend that I've noticed, uh, more of an emphasis on, on broader academic medicine, as you said, not just for, for research. I'd like to then talk about something regarding the conference itself. I've, I've gotten some, some feedback from, from members, and I think we're in a changing world now, and you know, in the past I think there was more pharmaceutical and device industry support for, for societies and for travel, and obviously with the times that's decreasing. And the net effect appears it, it, it seems that it's more difficult for individual members, particularly international members, to attend the international conference. Since I have you here, I'm sure this is something you've thought about it. I'd ask for your thoughts about this trend. Yeah, this, this, needless to say, is a concern. You know, we in North America have been through this. Very few of uh, the participants at our international conference rely on pharmaceutical support, at least those participants from North America. You know, the American Thoracic Society considers our tagline very seriously. You know, we help the world breathe. And it is absolutely vital for lung health, not merely in the United States, but also worldwide, that there are these networks, these communications, these collaborations that, that occur, not merely in the United States and North America, but also around the world. You know, our international conference is the best place. It's the most active place for these discussions, for these communications to occur. And I think this is a, uh, a worry that 
these conversations are going to be silenced. You know, we are certainly looking at strategies to make sure that we continue to talk with each other, looking at uh, virtual meetings and virtual uh, conferences. One of the uh, approaches that we are, are exploring builds off of the ATS Academy and is a program that Atul Mahatra is developing called the Global Scholars. And I'd also like to point out, Tom, that the, uh, the training committee and, and I believe with members of the Medical Education Working Group have also started a, a resident boot camp that is done at the International Conference. So there are certainly new initiatives that are, are growing and things that can really only be done face-to-face as the virtual aspects continue to grow as well. Oh. Um, so. Yeah, I, I would agree. I would agree entirely with that. The boot camp was an extraordinary success. You know, we have the Fellows Track Symposium that brings in our youngest colleagues to uh, the meeting and to learn in depth about a variety of uh, pulmonary critical care and, and uh, sleep disorders. You know, we have any number of uh, uh, international sessions usually held on Saturday where young investigators from around the world come and talk about their work. They present their abstracts. It's very exciting what we do not only at the meeting but also during the time before the meeting. It would be disappointing, needless to say, if those individuals are unable to come. Absolutely. I think for the the younger and hipper audience that tends to listen to our, our podcast, there are a lot of new initiatives that over the last several years have been have been great for, for that younger group. So I'd like to spend the last few minutes we have together discussing some of the exciting things that are going to occur at the, the 2015 ATS International Conference in Denver. It's a special conference celebrating 110 years of ATS, and I know you put together a special, along with the help of others, a special Discoveries Lecture Series to honor this anniversary. So please tell our listeners about this. No, I'm, I must admit I'm truly excited by this. We have developed what we're calling the Discovery Lecture Series, where we have scheduled plenary talks that are uh, two at a time that are unopposed by any other programming at the International Conference. These lectures are going to be held at 8 in the morning. And we went to the membership, and this is one of the more gratifying aspects of, of this program. We went to the membership and asked them a very simple question. You know, what are the major scientific or clinical breakthroughs in our field? And what should we be highlighting at the International Conference? And so we have eight topics. We have speakers for all eight topics, and many of them are the best and the brightest in their fields. And the topics range. I mean, it, it is highly varied. You know, we have, we go from, you know, bronchoscopy to lung regeneration. We go from tuberculosis to the discovery of surfactant and its role in neonatal respiratory distress syndrome. I think there is going to be a little bit of something for everyone, and like I said, this is, I, I am truly thrilled that we are going to be able to do this this year. And I mentioned to our listeners that we'll have several podcasts uh, in, the, in the months leading up to the uh, ATS International Conference uh, that, where we speak with the 
with the speakers, and we'll get a preview of some of these great talks. We've also spoken with the journal editors, and they, too, are, are going to highlight many of these discoveries as well as others that were identified by members uh, in our journal during the time around the conference and several months thereafter. Uh, so this is going to be a theme for not only this international conference, but for the American Thoracic Society in general. Well, that, that's excellent. Uh, finally, I'd like to close our chat talking about something that's been your life's work, so obviously uh, you must be incredibly excited about this. Your president's symposium in Denver is entitled How to Cure a Disease, the Cystic Fibrosis Story. Please tell us about the symposium. Yes, again, this maybe is the presidential prerogative to choose the topic that I'm particularly interested in. You know, when I first started out as a, as a physician scientist, I was largely supported by the Cystic Fibrosis Foundation and one of the best meetings that I would attend any year, and I'm afraid that would also include the ATS International Conference, was the Williamsburg Conference where the best and the brightest in cystic fibrosis would present their latest work. It was kind of like a Gordon Conference-style meeting, and it was thrilling to watch the progress, even as a young investigator, to watch the progress in cystic fibrosis over the past quarter century. And so what I'm hoping we're going to be able to do, but obviously in a more limited period of time, is to share that uh, experience with others. Uh, and so we are going to be talking about the changes that have occurred in cystic fibrosis from the bench to the bedside, how the discoveries that occurred 25, 30, 35 years ago with regard to the genetics and the pathogenesis of cystic fibrosis lung disease has now effectively translated into therapies that are profoundly changing the lives of some patients with cystic fibrosis. And we have the right speakers to do this. It, it is, again, I am truly thrilled of the uh, uh, cast of uh, speakers that we've been able to, I guess, lure to Denver because these, these are the individuals who not only know about the work, they did the work. They did an awful lot of this research, and, and they can give you their, their insights as to not only where cystic fibrosis has been, but also where it's going. The other aspect of this, so it doesn't sound solely like a cystic fibrosis lecture, is that this, I, I think this session is also going to provide insights for other diseases and perhaps using cystic fibrosis as a model to where you can actually really make a, a difference in the lives of individuals who are affected. Dr. Furcall, I really wanted to thank you for taking time out to speak with me to kick off our ATS podcast series. And now you're, I think, halfway through your term as ATS president, and I'd ask if you have any final thoughts that you wanted to reach out to all our uh, listeners and, and, and tell them. Well, I'll tell you, anyone who is uh, uh, thinking about or entertaining the idea that they would want to become a leader within the American Thoracic Society, I cannot encourage you enough. It is a really good gig, and it is amazing what you can do both within and without the society when you have the support and, and the influence of 15,000 members behind you you can really make a difference. So I would say anyone who is uh, thinking about this, anyone who is 
trying to figure out how you get involved in the American Thoracic Society. How do you find that leadership track? Come find me. I'm easy to Google. Ferkel is not a particularly common name. So I'd, I'd be more than happy to talk with you about this. But, but I would encourage anyone who is considering it that they really should. Tom, thank you so much for joining me today for this inaugural podcast. To our listeners, you can find this podcast on thoracic.org. And on the page that hosts this podcast, you can find links that better describe some of the specific items that we discussed today, including the webcast for medical educators entitled Turning Your Teaching into Educational Scholarship, as well as a link describing opportunities specifically designed for residents, fellows, and junior faculty at the International Conference in Denver. Finally, there's a link that describes the Discoveries Lecture Series in greater detail. I hope you will continue to join us for these Hot Topic podcasts. Our next one will be on a topic that certainly generated a lot of discussion in the pulmonary community in 2014, low-dose CT scans for lung cancer screening. This podcast will be hosted by Chris Latour from the section of Thoracic Oncology. Please tune in. I'm Nitin Seem for the American Thoracic Society.